I think the KPIs for us is more just to show the athletes that this is working and this is doing it. So like we'll have the, the G tech, like vert tester, we'll do some pull-ups and some like squats and bench just so the athletes have something to feel good about in this type of stuff. And that's our structure. But I think the farther we get away from KPIs and the more I focus on strength everywhere, because even all of our accessory lifts, I, I want to attack the, the parts that I call it the armor that, that they're going to get hurt on. A lot of times that's hamstrings. A lot of times that's adductors, like things that I know a lot of times they get hurt on. So we'll have our main lift for the day. And then we'll, the rest of it is these accessories that it's all variation based. So we'll, we'll talk, we'll call it get spicy. So it will be like a, a Cossack squat, but you have to get spicy with it. So it's your variation of Cossack squat. <laughs> Let's say it's three sets of five. We set that for you, but you have to change the tempo. You have to change the reps. You have to change some variation of it to one, either you, do it so like if i just put up cossack squats on there they hate me like they're like oh like i do not want to do this i put get spicy on there they're still doing the same movement still getting the same load in the the muscle that i want to work in the position that i want to work but now they're like all right i get to do it in this way and it's just freeze it up a little bit so that's kind of how we approach it that was austin yokum and this is the just fly performance podcast Today's episode is brought to you by our longtime sponsor, Simply Faster. There are a lot of sports technology companies out there, but Simply Faster is the only website you can go to that features an online store that covers the bandwidth of training technology, from force plates to timing systems to muscle stimulators and more. Some products of Simply Faster that I use and love include things like the Freelap Timing System in KBox or coaches' favorites such as GymAware. Recently, Simply Faster has added two units that as a coach, you should definitely take a look at. The first is the Muscle Lab Contact Grid, which is an extremely affordable and portable step-by-step, literally, system to collect data on jumps, bounds, sprints, agility, hurdle hops, and really as much as your creative mind can imagine. In what used to take a whole runway worth of collecting of data collecting strips, the Contact Grid does it all with only two small strips that together cover up to 40 meters of sprinting. Ground contact time, step rates, rhythms, and beyond are at your fingertips with this device. Another new unit, the VO2 Master, is an ultra-portable gas exchange analyzer. Don't guess on energy system development when you can get direct insight into VO2 capabilities in relation to specific sports skills, rather than uh, being hooked up to tubes on a treadmill or worse yet, a cycle ergometer to get a VO2 max. Think of the VO2 Master as your own gas exchange lab without the tubes and wires. Deepen your analysis in the specific conditioning preparation of your athletes with the VO2 Master today. These products and incredible customer service make Simply Faster your go-to for your sports technology needs. I'm happy to have partnered with them in sponsoring this podcast. Their support has been tremendous, so check them out today at simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another show. It's great to have you guys here, and I hope you're having a great week. If you've been listening to this show for a while, or honestly, even the last probably 10 episodes, you can tell you can often tell where my mind's at. And for really the last several years especially, my mind has very heavily been on the quality of the training environment. Whether you're a sport coach uh, or a strength coach or just work with athletes in any medium, I've just been uh, very intrigued by uh, ways to creatively give athletes autonomy, decision making, and to really just be a facilitator and let the athlete be the star of the show in the training environment. I feel like we oftentimes kind of disrespect 
this miraculous uh, thing that's in front of us being the human body and brain and mind and who the athlete is when we so often just coach athletes into rigid, rigid drills and schemes. And we, we aren't really giving them the chance to become all that they are in working with elite coaches and athletes. I see this happening all the time where this being the good side of things where strong intentionality is driven into the session where autonomy and choice is given where the athlete becomes uh, the star of the show in a good way that puts the uh, both the choice and the fun and the pressure on them to become the best version of themselves. Austin Yoakum is a young coach. I was on his podcast recently, met him through that and thoroughly enjoyed talking to him and seeing his creative vision for how he works with athletes. Austin is the owner of Yoakum Strength, where he works with athletes and quote unquote washed up movers to become the best versions of themselves. He hosts the Yoakum Strength podcast, which I mentioned uh, just a bit ago. He was a former D3 All-American football player. He was a hammer thrower at the University of St. Thomas. And he's now the strength coach there for the football team. For a young coach, Austin has a, a mind and a process that I feel like goes well beyond his years. And in, in talking to him briefly in the podcast appearance that I made on his show, I just had such a great time chatting with him about creating sessions that go deeper into creativity and decision-making and all these things. And so on the show today, Austin is going to go into the experiences he had as an athlete that have made him who he is as a coach now, uh, going from a very a more binary model of being an athlete to a more open-ended model, to a more complex model as he moved through his time as a college football player. Austin is going to go into all the nuances that really define his program, the emotional state of the athlete, getting into the athlete's weaknesses, decision-making, creativity, autonomy. Uh, there's a lot of parallels here to some other creative coaches we've had on this podcast before. And it's awesome It's awesome to get Austin's perspective. Because again, this uh, because this isn't something that I think we really, it's not. This is not something we learn in textbooks yet. But I don't think it's something we're meant, is meant to be taught in textbooks. This represents the art and the apprenticeship of being a coach and being someone who can be a facilitator for athletes to reach their highest potential. Uh, Austin is going to also go into really the nuts and bolts and flow of his training session from the creative and decision-making and autonomy or flow-based warmups into the meat and potatoes strength portion, and then into his own unique approach to the auxiliaries that really maintains that energy in the room and the aliveness of the session. There's, there's absolutely some things that I took from Austin that I will be taking with me into my own coaching process. And this was a really fun show. It was a great conversation. I think you guys are really going to love it. So let's get on to episode 213 of the podcast with Coach Austin Yoakum. So why, <laughs> I want to say this. So well, how would you, is there a better way to spell your last name then? Or would there be like a italics so I can have people pronounce it correctly when they read the headline here? Or Yeah, everybody thinks like it's... Uh... Jo it looks like Joshum right here, but if you if you're really gonna spell it, it would probably be with a Y, like Y O K U M or something like that. So last name just totally jacked up. Yeah, I, I I'm not gonna lie. When I first saw, I think maybe it was when you asked me to uh, be on your podcast, or I saw your podcast before. I I thought it was Joshum, so I apologize. I just wrote in my little notes. I just put Y O K U M. So hopefully that'll um maybe that'll resolve things a little bit. So just for everyone out there, <laughs> that'll. That was my that was my iteration. Yeah, and that's where we just have to get to a point as a coach and a company where people know how to say it right. Like that that's one of our goals. We'll get, get people to say Yoakum the right way. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, that'll be a good creative project. Uh, Austin. So I know one of the things that I really like about looking at your work is I know that, uh, well, one, I know you're a really creative coach and I always love, I'm, I know this is going to be an awesome talk. And I was curious, you, you did football, I think track, you're into strength and conditioning. What, what was your formation in uh, your years as a college athlete and then your choice to become the type of coach that you are now? Yeah, and it, I think it's funny that you say I'm a creative coach because as a player, I was anti-creative, like from, from the very day one. Uh, started lifting in high school with Olympic lifts, like straight Olympic style, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. All we did was clean and jerk, clean, snatch, and then maybe some bench press and squats and just a different variation of that. And I mastered those, swore by those for so many years. That's literally the only thing I ever did. If, if we sprinted, if we did anything, maybe it was some ladders we did, but the entire program was Olympic lifts, swear by it. It was awesome. In high school, got really strong at that. Thought that was the answer. Went into my first year of college uh, at St. Thomas for football. I got on the field. First day, we actually lifted before we went on the field. We lifted. And I was like smoking these guys, like smoking them on the clean and jerk, like doing 20 pounds more than a lot of seniors on there. I'm like, oh, I'm here. I arrived. I'm sweet. I'm a freshman ready to play football. We go to the practice that day and I... I, my mind was blown. I had no idea what was happening. The speed of the game was different. Everything was different. I moved to like a robot out on the field and just moved terribly. And I think that started to open up my mind to, all right, what's happening in the weight room is not what's happening on the field. And I need to find a way to bridge that gap. And that started the full journey. And I think it is a journey because then it was West side stuff. I'm like, all right, it's not the Olympic stuff. Now it's West side. Now it's the powerlifting. Now it's some box jumps and plyometrics. And if I add bands to my bar, and I was still stuck in that weight room mindset of add bands to the bar. Now I'm going to be faster. And it helped a little bit. I moved just a little bit better. But I think it was just because I was destroying my body a little bit less in the weight room. And I was still a little bit slower on the field. And it was just this journey. Then it was bilateral to single lateral. Then it was triphasic training and just this full hodgepodge of things, but never fully breaking out of the weight room mindset, never breaking into the movement mindset. And by the time I graduated at St. Thomas, I had some athletic success on the field. And, but it, it, it was in a way of, I forced myself into a mold of athletic success. I plays nose guard and my, my movement options were very small. And I was watching other players and I was doing the job that I was required to do and doing the thing on the field that I was required to do, but the game moved fast for me. Everything moved fast for me. I had very little movement options. I had one, maybe one pass rush move and I was good at the pass rush move, but I didn't have a lot of options that people next left and right of me that worked out in quotation, worked out a lot less than me, that they had way more options than me. And that's really where I started to dive into how can I get more movement options for myself? How can I move better? How can I give my athletes the ability to, now that you have a huge output, you're able to lift a bunch of weight, you're able to sprint really, really fast, you're able to do all these things. Now, how can we give you options to do this? How can we give you, how can we slow the game down a little bit for you? And that's kind of a little bit of where we started the journey of where we're at today. And hopefully the journey continues to progress for the next 10 to 15 years. And I can look back at this podcast and be like, what are you talking about, Austin? But that's kind of the start of the journey. Yeah, I, I know you really like hearing people's backgrounds. I do too. And I like hear, I like seeing what took you to this place. And I, I, I'm glad I was able to, or you were able to take us through that because I think that when people say movement, just the term movement in the athletic space, at least I, I will say my mind does go here a little bit i'm sure other people uh people's do it as well if you talk about what you do in terms of movement is 
then it becomes, well, what about strength? Like that now you're just a, a, you know, maybe a fairy doing the speed ladder. And I think people, it's like, you're a fairy doing the speed ladder and A skips and B skips. Obviously that's not what you do or I do, but I think that the, I think a purist might say, well, what about strength if you're calling it movement? And I like that you've gone down that rabbit hole. You've been stronger than your teammates. You've done the Olympic lifts. You've done West side and I've gone through all that stuff too. And so it's cool to see people who have gone down that uh, road. And I'm, again, I'm not saying, and I'm sure you wouldn't say this at all, that, I mean, we want to be strong. We need to be strong enough to play our sport. But I know I was like this where I found, and I was a basketball player, where I found my confidence in being more athletic. Like, I'm like, okay, if I could just be more athletic, if I can jump higher, if I can dunk better, then that's good enough for me. <laughs> and I think that's because I was getting the guy who was getting burned and just couldn't, didn't, didn't have the game IQ, didn't have quite the awareness, didn't have quite the ball skills. And in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to be better at this thing I'm already pretty good at. And I'm just going to be way better at that. Uh, just play to my strength. But I found that, and I think this would relate to something we were talking about before we recorded with like Brett Adams and the emotional. And I don't want to get off the strength. I want to ask you the next question. You just got me going. But like, if I was in a game where, that strength wasn't a strength anymore. Like if the other team was really athletic, I just, I was garbage. I was the worst. Like I couldn't even play like I could, um, the standard of just ball skills in the game wise, I was very poor, but if the other team was not very athletic, I would be extremely good. My skill was much better. So anyways, <laughs> so it's kind of a rabbit no, trail, but I've been there myself. So I appreciate that. And I think that I, you even call, I think you call, you said you call your fitness classes, like it's a movers class or something like that. Or, or if you had a different, um, counterpoint to what I was saying too, uh, let so you can say that first, but I, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. And that was, that's where I was, I, I think it's important to mention, like I was the reason, like I loved strength so much. And I love these things so much is because I was rewarded for it as my coaches. Like I found kind of my niche in the team sports world as being the strongest guy. And then every single time I tried to improve and I tried to do these things, like I wanted to be strong the next person because I knew the coach was going to say, all right, good job, Austin, or hey, team, be like Austin. And when I took a step back and I let the ego go down a little bit, it's like, all right, like if we had 11 of me on the field, 11 of guys that moved like me on the field, 11 guys that had movement options like me, I'm being rewarded by the coaches. Coaches are saying, be like him. But if you had 11 of me on the field, we'd lose every single game. And that's where it opened my eyes. It's like, what are, what are we rewarding as coaches? And it, it's, it's really nice and it's really easy to work with somebody like me with that mule, with that person that's going to throw all the weight on their back because the strength coaches, as we like that for our ego, all right? They're doing everything that we say. But at the end of the day, that's not what you want on the field because it's not going to lead to a ton of wins. Yeah, I think that strength... And, and even just like more grinding workouts. Maybe if we just throw it, we could just say there's the movement and there's the grind. And I think there's elements of both of those things that are important. And I look at the grind and that's the will. You know, It's the will to be great. And that's the things that I think when we look at the weight room, I think that's a really big part of why we there's this gut thing in everybody. Of Like when we look at an elite athlete, we want to see what they're doing in the weight room. And do we really want to see what they're doing because of like we're trying to dig out KPI transfer stuff? I don't know. We just want to see their heart, right? Like we want to see that, the, you know, the grit and determination element of it. But I, I, I've been there that if you dig so far down that hole, eventually you're just kind of clouding everything else out. And that, I mean, I, I was there. Like I, every time I play, I'm excited to play basketball now or any team sport because I think about everything else that I was missing, you know, emotionally and awareness and 
what's happening with my breathing at, at this game situation and, and where am I going mentally when this is happening? I, I care a lot more about that. Whereas I used to be like, well, I lost. I'm just going to go do a few dunks now and just make myself feel good. <laughs> and it's just, it's a fun experience to go into everything else that, that, and like, I love what you said. If there was 11 of me or if when I play basketball, if there was five of me, I don't think we would, if it was a really unathletic team, that could shoot well and pass well. I think we could maybe win, but I don't. We are. We would not have had a winning record. I could tell you that much. Yeah, and I want to expand that, like that that point that you mentioned. Like at the end of the day, if you lost, you would just go dunk more. And this is where like the mental toughness talk about it is. It's like the athlete that trains more is more mentally tough and that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, I was strength training because of that reason. You know, like I was continuing to drive myself into that hole because I knew it made me feel good. Whereas like a true mental toughness would have been to take a step back and actually attack my weaknesses yes. do something that I knew I wasn't good at, do something that would actually improve my game and expose me. But at the end of the day, I was going back to that strength because I knew it was a strength. And it, in some quotations, it was hard to put that weight on my back, but it was actually easy because it boosted my ego and I could show off in a sense. You know, I think that's where we get a little bit misconstrued as coaches of like what mental toughness is. I think mental toughness, like you need to have the ability to shut down the ego and then expose yourself as an athlete you can grow in the ways that you're going to get exposed in. Yeah, I agree. I was actually thinking as you were saying that, that it's easy to, if we just talk about like grinding, it's easy to grind at stuff you're good at. <laughs> like if I'm good at, like I was just doing a hill, a hill interval uh, this morning. It was like a, maybe a 50 meter hill or maybe it was yeah, maybe 60, 50, 60 meter hill. And, and I, I like walk up, jog down, do different stuff. Like that's my jam. Like I'm good at that as an athlete. I have a good aerobic system. I'm elastic and I can kind of bounce and, that's like my, I can grind at that. And that's easy for my ego. If, if we went in the gym and said, Hey, we're going to do a German volume set and we're going to grind at that. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to push myself nearly as hard because my ego, I'm not, I'm an elastic guy. I'm not a, I'm not as much of a muscle guy. Like I'm going to get smashed. I've done German volume before and laid on the floor for like 10 minutes afterwards. And, and, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to be recovering for this for like a year. But even, I remember when I first started working at Cal, like, eight years ago, um, uh, I did a workout with a strength coach, uh, Scott Thom, who's been on this show a couple of times. And it was like a squat ladder. It was like, we're going to go 12, 10, eight, six, four, and then back up to 12. And cause he, he liked the, the really getting deep in the set stuff. And I quit at like that four at the bottom. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore, Scott. Like, and, and I could have, I, I could have, but I just wasn't that good at it, you know? And so I think it's like, it's easy to grind in what you're good at. And all, all needless to say is I think you are, I totally agree with you is it is mental. T- and this is like, you know, whether it be the game or life itself, that, that growth is finding the things that you aren't good at. And you're putting your ego to the side to say, you know what, I need to get better at this. And for me, what I would have needed to be the best basketball player I could be would be to work on my communication with my teammates a little bit more and my game awareness and to actually maybe have to play in situations where I like, I'm not allowed to jump or something, you know, not allowed to be athletic or something, you know, like find a constraint of basketball where Joel can't use his athleticism at all. And you have to just make decisions and, and everything else. And that would have taken a serious shelf to the ego, but it would have been what I needed to be better. Yeah. And I think as coaches, that's then, and this is how I look at it now is like, how can I expose my athletes? And this is where they, they get pretty frustrated with me is because a lot of the stuff that I do is exposing them and trying to find ways to where they don't like that. And this is where I, I have to talk to them before. I'm like, you are not going to like what we're doing. Maybe it's with, um, we have a wide receiver we work with who doesn't love a lot of contact. So you know what we do? We put them in a situation where we grapple with him a lot or we just put them in situations like that. But 
again, I think that's our job as coaches and I, I struggle with it. It's not like I'm perfect with it at all. It's we as coaches have to shut down our ego to where at the end of the session, it's not just athletes complimenting us the entire time about, Oh, I love that. Or everything just looks perfect. And it's just smooth because as a coach, like that's your ego, like that session looked clean. All we did is squat. And we did these things. It's all right. This is some of the chaos that's on the field. The athletes frustrated. There's some frustration in the air. There's some of these things that are going to be on game day and have them thank you on game day rather than thank you during that session. Yeah, dude, I, I, hundred percent. I, I, one thing I wanted to get to in this train too, that I know that you work, uh, you work with football, like specifically, like, like actually coaching the sport. And then you are also a strength coach. So how is this manifested? Uh, and I think maybe we can lean more to the strength and conditioning side of things, but when these athletes are in the weight room or if they're maybe just doing, I guess you'd say it's this, we're not at football practice and we're training or we're doing a weight room setting or whatever else. Uh, how has this uh, kind of changed or changed your approach and what does a typical session look like with you in this regard? And how is, how is, uh, cause I think you can only do, you can only do so much in the weight room, but I, I like the, the, as above, so below mentality and, and just kind of like how you do anything is everything. And so how does this shake out when you're at working with athletes in the weight room setting? Well, I think the biggest thing there is being able to see them play football and watching that and see the contact, see the cut, see the speed at which the game is played, see what they're struggling at. Uh, maybe it's the, the mental aspect. This is one of the coolest things that I saw is we had an athlete that we had laser timers, everything set up, and he ran one of the top times on the team, like one of the fastest times on the team. And one of the coaches is saying he's, he's slow. And so looking at this, now getting all this data, being able to see it from the football aspect, as well as the sports performance side of things, and being, being able to find a missing link, I think is what it is, and being able to find what the sport actually needs. And that's where in our training now, the first 20-minute minimum is some movement-based stuff. Either usually it's Tuesday, Fridays, it'll be like speed-based stuff, linear speeds, output, stuff like that. But then Monday and Thursday, this is our kind of our movement prep type stuff of now we're going to put them in positions that they're going to see on the field and get exposed to on the field. Maybe at the start, it's rolls, crawls, and that type of stuff. But then we progress into environments of one-on-ones. We call it like muddle ball, some ultimate football, that type of stuff. Just putting them in environments to where they're going to experience the same speed, the same stress, where their teammates are watching them now. We have a situation where if they lose, they're going to get shit talked to. How do they respond to that? Um, that is the biggest part of actually being a part of watching their football. Because I think we're, as strength coaches, and I know this happens with me too, is if I'm not competing myself in a sport, if I'm not putting myself in a situation where me, myself as a coach, I'm experiencing this, this emotional stress, then I, I write this perfect program up of squats, bench, output base. Like I, this is what I write. I, I'm like, all right, my athletes got, they jump higher, they, they, they squat more, they sprint faster. I did a good job as a coach. And at the end of the day, did I put them in a situation in which they have to process this emotional stuff that like they can get stronger, faster, better, but if they can't process the game, if they don't know what's actually happening, if they're not doing movements that are close to what they're seeing on the field, if they're not stressed out and having to deal with the language and having to deal with another person and reacting to that. then I really don't think we're doing a nice job. And I think being a part of the football team has helped me keep that in my life and not just go full like where you live in the weight room and then that's the only thing you see. And then you just continually progress these things and you continually get that ego boost as a coach. And you feel you're, you feel like you're more right when you're actually getting farther away from what needs to be done. 
I like, I like, uh, that reminds me just of the, what, uh, Corey Schlesinger had talked about on the last Q and a or podcast we did together just a little bit ago. And Corey had played, he was a coach who had played, uh, college basketball or and then became a strength coach. So he, he's a guy who's very close to the sport and the emotional state of the sport itself. And the quote he had said that I actually made like the social media quote for the show was I saw squat numbers go up. I saw force plate numbers go up, but I didn't see wins go up. And it's, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm, if anybody, I, I love seeing KPI stuff go up. I do. But at the end of the day, like it's the stuff that I think we can have an impact on as well. If it's in a weight room situation, on the game or I mean and if you're a sport coach obviously you know a hundred times well not a hundred but all the more I think if you're a, a sport coach but just understanding the emotional state that an athlete's coming in with and and what's uh, like Corey says like some of those athletes like they need to grind in the weight room a little bit because that's their that's their meat and potatoes that makes them feel good about themselves and that's that's their engine but at the end of the day you're also you're also understanding um, athlete autonomy and what makes them tick and their and their emotions and their and everything, I think all those little nuances that are very intuition driven that kind of go between the lines that I think can create a, an experience or environment that, that might be a little more, um, that, that could probably have a little more transfer, maybe some, some other things to the game. We could call that culture too, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it just makes me think about that a little bit. So I feel like I'm getting a little bit off track with this question, but I, I like, um, I like that. I, I like that you are, I like that you have those, um, a foot in both of those elements and that you're regularly going between those. Cause I, I will just say like every time I go, like every time I even play pickup basketball, like I would play pickup, go out the weight room and play some pickup basketball. Like this is, this is so much faster. Like in the weight room, it's just so it's very, it's controlled and it's methodical. Traditionally, at least it's very controlled, methodical. And you step out and you play pickup basketball or sports, like it's fast. And these feedback loops are opening and closing. And, and all of a sudden the athleticism you thought you might've had, in one other element didn't matter in that situation, you know? And so I, I do definitely think it's really important to have that hand in both uh, buck in some way, even if you didn't play a sport or aren't playing a sport just to go play pickup games or something, do something that's competitive and fast and do that regularly. Well, I got a, I love this example um, because slow pitch softball and everybody laughs at slow pitch softball when you bring this up and then people are like, what are you talking about? Slow pitch softball. Like that's a recreational game. So I bring my basically a bunch of my college football buddies. We, we've played in front of crowds of like 37,000 people. Uh, I think we had four or five All-Americans on this team that I brought. Like four or five. It's Division three, but they're All-American athletes, you know, just dudes. Bring them to this um, softball tournament this past weekend. And we play a team of 30 to 35-year-old guys. Half of them are smoking when they're playing. Half of them are smoking in. Um, almost all of them overweight almost all of them drinking the entire time. You can like not athletes in quotations. Uh, we lose 25 to probably two. And you're telling me in this situation that our outputs matter more. And this is, it's just something that I, I love to bring it back to is like output is outputs what matter or is it sport that matters and being a master at what you need to do in the situation. I had got, I had a guy, one of my football guys that has played in front of 37,000 people in football started all American guy. Tell me he got nervous at the plate and there was probably a hundred people at this, at this softball game. So you're going to tell me that the emotional aspect is carries over to these things. And this is where I was like, all right, it seems silly to talk about slope at softball. It seems silly to talk about pickup basketball games, but if you're really not 
exposing yourself to these situations. You're never going to have that eye opener moment to it really doesn't matter how fast you run, how athletic you are, all of these things. If you can't put it into the specific situation that matters, you know, that can't put it into a specific situation that is going to be required of you on game day. Yeah. I, so, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. <laughs> That's why I like, I think about um, like you used to be, if you want to be a strength coach, you used to do physical education, not exercise science, which in my experience, I, I don't, I mean, I enjoyed my degree programs, but I don't use that much, if anything, that I learned there <laughs> when I, when I am actually, I mean, a lot of it's, you know, self taught in books and this podcast and talking to other coaches, but I, I wonder how much are we missing by not just having a physical education as that curriculum? I almost feel like we'd better be better off if you had to play all the games and you had to understand where people are in, or motor skills and the development of motor skills. And then in playing all those games, you under, I think if you're intuitive and someone's guiding you to it, you do understand emotionally what's going on. And because I'm always looking at that because I, I always was a person who tried to athleticize my way through through output my way through all the sports <laughs> and, and and then and coming back i'm always looking at well how could i know i'm a good athlete i, I have these capabilities it's just where emotionally and mentally am i sidetracking myself and that's more fun to me now than it, obviously than when i was growing up so i totally it really takes uh what you t- said about mental toughness and the specificity of toughness like it's crazy like you can be great in front of thirty-seven thousand people but then put yourself in a place you're not as confident and it's just a hundred and it completely changes things. It's really amazing. Yeah. And I think another point to take from like that educational background and the, the exercise science background, and I don't know, you have, you have a more of a track background, so maybe you don't hear this as much, but in the football world, the past like four or five years, the big thing, the big like eye opener has been, if you want to get fast, you have to sprint fast. And like, that's an eye opener <laughs> in the field that has been here for a hundred years. And this is where I think like we really like we really need to take a step back as a field to be like, why was that not the very first thing we talked about? And it probably was like back 100 years ago. People probably knew that like everybody yeah, knew. I'm it, sure because we get into these books and we get into these sets and reps and we get into Olympic lifts and we get into powerlifting that now that becomes our focus that we re- like now an eye opener is the if we want to get fast, we have to sprint fast. Like that should have been super common sense. If you look at it, like if you just hear that sentence, if you see what's happening so how can we how can we continue to take that step back and not be so obsessed with like and you still see it like if you want to get faster squat this way it's like if you want to get faster sprint like that that that's going to be our answer and there's other way like there's other things that can happen but at the end of the day you have to do that activity and that's where i think it's just many times we are so stuck in the weeds we are so into something and we believe in so much of something that we can't make that common sense connection that everybody should be able to see yeah we like to major in the minors or like it's kind of like i think getting on twitter and arguing about olympic lifts and arguing about vbt and stuff like that when it's like there's like these are things that are not that high on the transfer totem pole at the end of the day there's a lot of stuff that's a really higher order than these types of things and yeah like you said i think dan john said something about this he was like there's a it was a book on wrestling conditioning from the 60s or 70s and everything was in there like all the plyos all the lifting like all it's like this was there and i think randy huntington had said something about this too he was on my podcast back a while ago and like all the you call them a boom boom or a switch or that drill where you're basically you're switching your legs in the air or anything like that Randy's like, they were doing that back in the sixties. It's, you know, it, it's just, you do, a, or a, one thing I think about too, this was back when Roger Bannister was the first guy to break the four minute mile. 
I want to say, from my memory, all they were doing for training back then was just, you're going to train? Okay, go out and run a mile as fast as you can. <laughs> it's just, okay, that makes real sense. Like, I'll just do that to, and then they developed, you know, the aerobic, you know, there became more components of it, which I think was good, but eventually it just becomes, at some point it become it can become too academic and too complicated. And, and that's why I, I've talked with uh, Paul Cater about this too, but the, I think it's important for coaches just to go and do for a long period of time before things become too academic. You know what I'm saying? Like before you have all the books and read the official manual that you spent time as an athlete, just experimenting and playing around with stuff and seeing what worked and what didn't. And, and cause if you just go the academic route right away, you never get a chance to do that. And then you lose that intuition, that creativity. Yeah. I 100% agree there. That's, that's, I mean, even the same stuff with me is like, if we have a, we have a grappling game or we have something like that with our athletes that we do, like a lot of times I'll put myself in that situation and see if I like it or see if I don't, or just see what the athlete's going through. So maybe like we have five sets of 10 seconds of this grappling stuff. And like by set three, I'm destroyed. I'm like, all right, so maybe we have to adjust this. But like you said, like keeping skin in the game, I think is going to be the number one thing just focus wise. And just so you know what's actually happening with your program. And it's not just some magical thing that you wrote on a piece of paper. Right. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think I don't know who posted this. It might have been Cure One and Flat, it might have been someone else, but it was a pie chart and it was like time spent. It was like reading. Like I and I think this could be totally modulated, but it was like a third of it was reading and learning, a third of it was training others, and a third of it was training or working on yourself. And I think most of us coaches probably don't have enough time in the day to do a third training ourselves, but it's I mean, that's where I can't tell you how many ideas I've come up with when I'm in a training session. I'm like, oh, it's just it, you're in kind of that lower brainwave state where stuff just hits you and, and things come together. It's like when you get ideas in the shower kind of. So it's not like you don't really learn that in a textbook. I mean, not saying they're bad, but uh, anyways, I'd love to get Austin into some more of the, uh, some of the creative ways that you've uh, like arranged your training sessions on account of this. I know that uh, you're very much into the perception and reaction space and obviously being a football coach. So what are your, you've talked about using 1v1s, 1v0s, but what are some ways that you uh, encourage problem solving in your training sessions and then athlete autonomy. Yeah. So this is where, and we, we, we call it like the agility days, but a lot of this stuff is create an environment of something that we want to do that day. So maybe it, maybe it's score like a lot of this from Elon performance as well. But like, if you want to score, if you want to evade, if you want to tackle, if you want to have a high contact day, that's our goal for the day. Now, now we create an environment of doing that. And then I ask the athletes, how does that feel? Like, what do we want to do? Like, does that seem like it fits? And a lot of times I force them to come give me a rule because a lot of, not a lot of athletes nowadays, they come in and they, they just want to be told what to do. And in life, that's not really what happens. Mm -hmm. Like you need to be able to create and come up with decisions. But I think one of the good examples is like, we had to protect the, the pin drill with, uh, with our offensive defense alignments where defense linemen trying to get to the pin offense linemen trying to stay in front of them hundred million different variations. You can do one hand, two hand, full contact, no contact, that type of stuff, but just working on positions that we're going to see in the, in the game. And they're doing this drill. They did it a couple of times. And one of the offensive linemen came up to me and he's like, it, it's, it's not as realistic with the pin here. It'd be more realistic if the pin was there. And if you build up a culture to where an athlete says that to you and you start yelling at that athlete for, Hey, I made this drill. I drew this up. Perfect. Get out of here. Like just do the drill. You'll, you're never going to get that suggestion again. You're going to shut down that athlete. The environment's not going to be as good. All we have to do is move the pin. And literally we move the pin three to four feet and 
whether that's more specific or not, whether like whatever it is, giving that athlete that ability to move that pin and make it more realistic, the energy in that room went sky high. All the guys were, oh yeah, that's that's way better. This is awesome. Like getting some competition there. But I think you 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 talk about the autonomy, and I think the number one thing is making sure the athletes know they can create their environments and they, they know better than you. And this is, this is my entire approach. And I make sure I, I continue to reiterate this to myself is that athlete knows the environment better than you, that, that they are feeling that environment. They know the situation that they're in. They're going to create better than you if you give them that freedom too. So if, if, if our goal is to make a one-on-one environment to where we're going to add in some sort of pieces and work on some part of their game, create that environment, let them play it a couple of times let them do that situation a couple of times and ask them, make sure they have the freedom to actually say something to you. And then they come up with something. We move something, we move the defender, we move the situation around. And then you create an environment in which by the end of it, you're like, all right, that, that is what looks good. Like my original thing I drew up on the drill where I put my cones here and I put the defender there. Like that looks so stupid compared to what we ended with. And all it, all it has to do with is asking the athlete, all right, what did you see? What did you feel? What do you want to change? It makes me think about uh, yeah, our, our topic has really been games, the co- a complex game where there's so many layers, emotions, technique, tactics, communication, strength, you know, elasticity, everything. And there's, there's so much, there's infinite complexity versus I, I like I, just a, uh, let's just say a squat or a trap bar deadlift. There's something with not a lot of, com- I mean, you can coach it a few ways. You can line up the shins and the torso or do some things with the feet. But to me, it's almost like the more complex that this thing is getting, the more, if you aren't valuing your athlete's autonomy and feedback, you're, you're really losing at immense amount. And I think even like, I like how Corey would give his athletes the choice as for even what, what main exercise they want to do. Even there is autonomy there, but the further that you get into complexity, if you, and cause I think about that, I mean, I just play, I would just have my athletes, if it's an individual sport, they'd warm up with just a non-specific game. But I think about what Jeremy Frisch, where he talks about um, the importance of unstructured play. And cause I was thinking about how the energy in the room just went up, right? Like when you're a kid, like Dr. Tommy John, I like how he says, uh, he's like sixth grade is like the best time. Cause it's like before, if you're a boy or whatever, or, or a girl, I guess it's before like relationships and it's when it's, um, I'm trying to remember the movie, uh, stand by me, right. When just you're before like life complicates and you're just friends and, and everything for the sake of being friends. I'm totally getting off this. <laughs> this is totally just a different, uh, track. But what I'm trying to say is when it's unstructured, the, you know, the kids are making up the rules themselves. There's not someone really telling you what to do and you're, you're just enjoying exploring this game for the sake of the game and to allow athletes that same thing that they probably did on the playground all the time when they were a kid. It's, I mean, I mean, I'm sure that's not the only thing too, but it's just that, that power, it's like just digging into that well of the unstructured a little bit selectively and when you need to, I think that's that magic um, intuition that really can make us elevate a session rather than just, just, here's X, Y, Z, boom, 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 do these drills. As I say, I'm glad that we're starting to move in that direction as an industry. Yeah. And like you said, like in the sixth grade, when you had those options and you you were able to do that. And like, that's one of my main goals, especially with like my washed up movers, like the the guys that aren't aren't athletes and (laughs) just work out now is like trying to get them back to that kid, like, like attitude. Like, I think, I think 
we are very much creature creatures that want to play and we want to create. And then we live lifestyles that don't allow us to play and don't allow us to create. And we sit in these offices and we don't move all day. And then we wonder why we have like emotional issues and wonder why we're not happy during the day. We wonder why like we dread going to training. So like the, the first like 20 minutes of our washed up mover session um, is we'll just write play on the board. Uh, a lot of times I'll give like four pieces of equipment and I'll make sure one person in the group of the washed up movers creates an environment. So like the other day we had um, two boxes and then a stick was our play spot. Um, and we played a, played a box parkour, which is you had to jump over the box with the stick in your hand or stick in some spot, jump over the two boxes in a parkour fashion, a different each time for 10 to 15 minutes. And by the end of it, that the, the energy in the room, how much the like these guys were smiling and like giving each other shit for like falling and failing and something. And that's the other thing is like, when do we fail in training anymore? Like, yeah. when do we try to do something that we're not sure if we can do and not sure if we can complete like a squat? Like maybe you push yourself on weight, but I, it's just not the same. It's like we had an athlete try to do like a 360 over a box and kind of like just ate it a little bit and everybody like laughing and joking. And he's like, all right, I'm going to get this. But when do we ever really do that anymore? And that that's one aspect of like trying to get stuff that we don't get in everyday life that we're not doing anymore. And just seeing the energy, seeing how like just drenched in sweat without like any amount of effort. Like we literally could have played that. I One of the guys said like, I could do this all day. I was like, all right, like you don't say that about jumping. Like if we just did like weighted jumps, like you would not say, oh, I could just do this all day. It's because we're not in that flow state. We're not creating these things and we're not failing, growing and just having fun. So trying to create environments in which we do that with everybody, I think is so important because I think it's a huge part of who we are as humans. I agree. I, I like how you, 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 you've said this multiple times, but energy in a room. And I think a lot of people would say, oh, it's, oh, it's just esoteric. Like to me, I, the last, like I would say three to five years of my coaching, I've just, to me, that has moved up the priority list just continually, just up, up, up. Like you said, and that Rafe Kelly said it when he was on the podcast, are they smiling? Is there just this positive uh, vibe that people are fully in the moment and they're enjoying themselves fully versus, okay, here's next. Oh, I hope I'm doing this right. Am I doing this right? Can you come over and watch, you know what I'm saying? Like, can you come over and watch my technique and on this like random warm up drill that's supposed to do XYZ versus, and I know you've posted this as well. I, I, this is a cool Instagram post. I remember it's like, you could do this warm up drill where it's like a half kneeling T-spine or you got someone like in spike ball and they're like, you know, their shoulders way back ready to throw this thing, you know, just stuff that's complex and, and fun and, and enjoyable. And I, I just think that's, that's really important. I like, uh, I was going to say too, that when you're in that flow state too, I think you can handle more work capacity because if you counted up all those jumps, those guys did between the boxes, I, however many it was, and, and then you took that volume and you just said, okay, instead of that, we're going to do, I don't know, like 40 depth jumps off a, a low box or something that was comparable, right? But it's all the same motor pattern. They're going to be so much more beat up the next day from doing that same thing over and over and over again versus the creativity. And I, I'm not saying there's not a place for that simple, like Boosh next year talked about that. When I'm, when I'm training power and I need to hit that KPI, yeah, maybe I need to hit 20, 30 solid depth jumps, but... I think you can get so much more work done when you're just doing stuff that's that's fun and creative and and that part of the session and and yeah it's a, it, like you said it's an important part of who we are. Well, the the one thing that you mentioned there is like, and this is something that I really try to get all of my athletes out of the mindset of like, hey, can you come over here and fix this? You know, like 
there's so many athletes out there that that want to be fixed and they, they want to have something wrong and they, they they want direction and to me that's just so far away from what actual life and what competition actually is it, it, where it's figuring it out allowing your body to feel and put yourself in a situation and you know better than i do and as a coach i'm still gonna make i'm not gonna like just let you load your spine up and look terrible on a squad and do this type of stuff but I'm not saying just throw it all out there, but there's so many athletes that want to be fixed. They, they, they want to have that band around their knees. They want to squat in front of a mirror. They want to have everything videotaped and they want to do this stuff. And like, I need, need to get my athletes out of that mindset. Like the number one coaching advice that I give, and it drives my athletes nuts is like, figure it out. Like, how can you figure that position out? What can you do to put yourself in a good position? So it feels better. So it looks better. So it is what you're supposed to feel and giving them some tips and that type of thing. But getting them out of that victim mindset of something's wrong with me. I need to come in and fix it. I need to come in and roll out. And I like just so many things of like, we are very powerful. Like we have so powerful machines as yes. humans. And we just have a mindset that a lot of times puts us in to, I need somebody to fix this for me. No, you don't. You, you can figure it out as a human. Now you just need somebody to guide you on that path to fix it. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, the robots that MAT, MIT makes are doing some pretty awesome things, but they still we are still by far the most complex machine on Earth. <laughs> or I mean, I used to, the, the thing I always got a kick out of in my apartment in Berkeley would be, we're just watching a hummingbird outside the window. And I'm like, man, this thing, like how many years is it going to take before a helicopter can even do one-tenth of what this hummingbird can do? You know, like we... Our, our design is just so incredible. And it's like, I, I always think about, are you doing something that disrespects the innate capacity of the human body, you know? And how many times in a typical strength session, it's like, okay, here's these 10 exercises and here's, oh, do it right like this. Don't do it wrong. I mean, I think I always had for somehow this meter in me that like hated that type of thing, like where you're just doing, that was just never that enjoyable to me. I even I remember back when I was a young, yeah, like maybe ninth, 10th grade uh, in track, like I'd be out in the high jump pit and I would hear a, a coach or another athlete tell another athlete something about their jumping. Like you did this wrong, da, 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 do this. And I just remember thinking even back then, like, how do you know that that's right? Like, where did you learn that from? <laughs> Who said that was the right way to do it? And I, I, if anything, I've just loved learning by watching the human body in action, watching elite movers in action, watching how they solve problems, be it jumping over a high jump bar or hurdle on the football field, basketball court. And I, I just, I love that. And I, I also, it takes me to what you said about it's just failing. Like you should fail. You're gonna, just almost saying like, look, you're going to fail in here at some point in this gym, you're going to fail at something. And but isn't that a part of life too? Like we fail and, and everyone laughs, but it's okay. Like it's, it's fine. And I think that I, I know in the motor learning space, if you could go down that perception uh, reaction rabbit hole, they talk about how the, the importance of mistakes and all that. But regardless of the context, you, you got me thinking about that too. Cause I, I was like, man, I didn't make my athletes or put, not make, you shouldn't say make, but put athletes in a position enough where they might fail at something. I would have my athletes do cartwheels. The best was my tennis players doing cartwheels. Because a couple of them were awesome. And it's funny because actually the guys who played the, the better, the higher courts were usually better at cartwheels for whatever reason, you know, maybe just total by athleticism, whatever. And then there'd be that one or two guys who just couldn't, just couldn't. And everyone's kind of sit there and laugh at them. It'd be, but you know, I, I, I think that adding autonomy, it's like you get to decide the risk you're going to take and maybe you'll fail. Maybe you don't. 
anyways, I, I really love what you said about the failing thing and, and it really resonates with me about how we coach and set up sessions and, and what we're trying to, the picture we're putting in an athlete's head about who they are and what they're doing as well. Yeah. The, the disrespect to like your body and your machine, I think is something that is, drives me nuts a little bit with people and just the, the, the way we approach how we attack a session. And it's something that like the cartwheel, like that's one of the number one things because you'll have an athlete that comes in and he'll he, right away. He tells me he can't do it. I'm like, yes, you can. Like, I, I promise you, you athletically can do a cartwheel. Like, why are you saying you can't? I think there's something else of the, I think Dr. Tommy John really got me involved of like watching little kids move and just do things. And he, like, he, he was talking like, you'll see a little kid at a playground, you'll drop him off and he'll do depth drops for like an hour, just like 50 of them jumping off stuff. Like that's way higher than his body falling, <laughs> yeah. landing, doing this stuff. And then we'll come into a session and we'll say, Oh, that guy can't do that. That guy can't fall. We need to work on landing mechanics. Like, like you said, like in the best way, like stop disrespecting what we're capable of doing. Like, realize your body is an amazing, amazing thing. Put that into your mind. Like I can do something like that and then fail until you get it done, you know, fail until you do that. But stop saying like, stop approaching a session saying you can't do something because I promise you, you can figure it out. Like you can do it in some way. And it's not some motivational speech. It's just the, the, the facts that your body's capable of doing something like that. And you're telling it it's not. And it's just, just the way a lot of times we approach these sessions and we want it to be all good by the book. And it's just not how the body in my mind works. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I like one of the things I like for that, like the, the people who may have not thought they could do it, but just even simple, like a handstand and just, it, just how many people can't do a handstand too against the wall. I should say, I mean, there's hard ways to do a handstand freestanding or one arm freestanding, but just against the wall. And I always enjoy just seeing athletes get a boost of confidence, just doing something they didn't think they could do. And just setting them up, say, look, it's not that hard. You put your hands about eight inches on the wall and kick your back leg up until you feel the balance and then you're ready to go. And to just teaching people that they can do something that they didn't think they could do and that, yeah, your body can solve this problem. It has so much more than you thought you had. I mean, you could take that into, um, you know, muscle endurance or anything, you know, brain states or anything like that, but even just skill and coordination. I, I thought of this as I, I've thought about the best things I did from a track and field, like, let's say my best high jump I ever did. I'm not sure how much of that. I mean, you think, well, maybe I was just more amped up and I had more adrenaline. So my muscles output it more. Well, I don't know. I think a lot of it was the body figured out the optimal technique. Cause it's like, it knew it wanted to jump this bar. And so maybe it just placed my foot just a little bit different and it put this arm just a little bit different. It's, it's, there's a lot of, it's so complex and the ability of the brain to take all these things and put them all together I mean, it's, it is miraculous. And so, yeah, I, I've, I've definitely thought about how I communicate and, and how I mention uh, things to athletes and, and what you set them up for. Uh, I, I wanted uh, in our last time, bit of time here too, I wanted to talk, you know, we've talked a lot about creativity and, and a more open model. And that's something I've been taking on over the last eight years. Uh, but to you, what's the split between structure and creativity? So for like, let's say the formal lifting portion, or how do you divide that up between uh, like a creative and open-ended and autonomous section, and then what you might be doing from a little bit more formal uh, end of things? Yeah. So this is where I think it, it comes back to like the goal of the day. And again, this, this, again, maybe this is still the ego of me, like wanting to have some control of the program and wanting to have some control, but like the 
the goal of the day is something that we're going to focus on. Maybe it's a high contact day. Maybe it's a high force day. Maybe it's a high velocity day. But then when that happens, I, in the weight room, I try to put a main exercise of the day that tries to get them to that point. And maybe it's that squat variation, but it's, it's still like the sets and reps and the, the, the weight that we want to hit, that would be the structured part of what we're doing, the, 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 the main lift of that day. And again, I'm not sure, and this, as I'm saying this, this might still be the ego of me trying to control that part, but that's the control part. Maybe it's the, the technique on the speed that we're working on that day. Maybe it's putting them in environments where they're running fast that day, but we're actually working on linear, linear speed rather than the open environment type aspect of things. But that is our structured part of it. And we have KPIs that we try to, and I, I've gone farther away from this as well, but I think the KPIs for us is more just to show the athletes that this is working and this is doing it. So like we'll have the, mm -hmm. the G tech, like vert tester, we'll do some pull-ups and some like squats and bench just so the athletes have something to feel good about and this type of stuff. And that's our structure. But I think the farther we get away from KPIs and the more I focus on strength everywhere, because even all of our accessory lifts, um, I, I want to attack the the parts that I call it the armor that, that they're going to get hurt on. A lot of times that's hamstrings. A lot of times that's adductors, like things that I know a lot of times they get hurt on. So we'll have our main lift for the day. And then we'll, the rest of it is these accessories that it's all variation based. We'll, we'll talk, we'll call it get spicy. So it'd be like a, a Cossack squat, but you have to get spicy with it. So it's your variation of Cossack squat. <laughs> Let's say it's three sets of five. We set that for you, but you have to change the tempo. You have to change the reps. You have to change some variation of it to one, either you, do it. So like, if I just put up Cossack squats on there, they hate me. Like, they're like, oh, like, I do not want to do this. I put get spicy on there. They're still doing the same movement, still getting the same load in the, the muscle that I want to work in the position that I want to work. But now they're like, all right, I get to do it in this way. And it's just freeze it up a little bit. So that's kind of how we approach it. We come into our sessions, we warm up, get them in the mindset of working. Then we play, we do some agility type stuff. We move our bodies, we move somebody else's body, we react, then we get into the weight room, we do a main lift, and then armor building. And that's kind of our approach to training and building a holistic athlete for our football players. Yeah. Do you like the term armor building versus like strength? Or is that is that a thing? Or so really? we are, I would consider our main exercise the strength aspect. Oh, okay. So and I was just confusing where, the yeah, I'm just confusing that. <laughs> yeah, so that would be our strength aspect is our first lift of the day. And that's that's more of our traditional all right, we're going to, maybe it's barbell squat. I don't want to say traditional because we, we still mix up variations. It's almost like the, the Grant Fowler approach to one week we're box squatting, one week we're regular squatting, that type of stuff. And we still mix that stuff up, but we're progressing a main lift for strength aspects, for output aspects. So we still approach the output, output aspects as we're going to increase this, but now we're going to give you more options to increase it. And then the armor building is working on the hamstrings, adductors, and parts that maybe it's the upper back, maybe it's uh, some of the tricep stuff that, leads to a, a holistically strong athlete, somebody that is strong in all planes of motion rather than just strong in an up and down plane of motion in the squat pattern. Got it. I just must have not heard you correctly <laughs> when you were first described. That makes sense. Uh, so it's the armor building where that's the, the get spicy options are thrown in there. Like that's Correct. where the very, oh, I love it. I love that. I, I just, yeah, because I think if it was me doing that Cossack squat, I would probably try to, to do the actual Russian dance, which I've seen athletes try to do anyways on that stuff. It's like, oh, I want to make this like the Russian dance. Like it's, like, I, don't, I don't know. I just think that that, it's almost like you want to write, like you want to start with something that's like, like that's very intentional and gets you in the, in, in, I guess like in that state, right? The energy in the room goes up. But I think that, 
I like the the get spicy idea late because I know for me, I've I had gotten to the point in my sessions and training sessions over the last few years where it's like, okay, we're doing this more open-ended front end of the workout. People are smiling. The energy is going up. Okay, we're doing the main lift. That's still engaging because it's the main lift. You know, maybe we tag it with some velocity-based stuff or we try to do something where it's just, it's the main lift. The music's on. It's going to be good. But then when the, the, the energy wanes, every time as you get into the standard, you know, quote-unquote boring or mundane accessories. And that's what's like, all right, well, I'm done with the, the fun thing. I'm done with my main lifts. All right, let's go three sets of 10 X, Y, Z. And it's just... You see that ener- that energy starts to go down. It's like everything's yeah, pl- everything's kind of. It's like you're coasting. You're coasting into that end of the session. It's like there's got to be a better way to spend our last bit of time than this. And maybe some athletes, you know, if you look at the neurotyping, maybe you have the type three type person who just likes more structure. And I do think I always think about that. But there's always. I always feel like athletes got a lot more when they had a little more autonomy. Or even sometimes those the athletes, I noticed they would try to speed through those auxiliaries at the end so they could do like an extra set of pull-ups they wanted to or some arms they wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, So why not just make it something that they have ownership of the whole time? I, I like that. I'm definitely taking that with me. That's a really cool point. Well, and I think that's that you mentioned the neurotyping part of it. And this is where they get spicy. It's interesting. And this is what I, I sit back and watch the athletes because you'll see one athlete in quotations, the boring athlete, he'll do the same variation of the Cossack squats every single time. And he gets, he likes it. Like he is happy. Like if I made him do this story, like you can't make an athlete do something different, you know, like, because if I made him do something fun for me in quotations, you know, something different for me in quotations, he would probably hate that. Like he would hate that variation because he just wants that structure. And then you have the other athlete that is very much like me that has that little bit of ADHD and wants to change it every single time. So then you have a mix of athletes in a room that is getting their work done, but you're tricking them into the getting that work done and they enjoy it. And now they're pushing themselves in that exercise with weight. Cause like you said, otherwise, like regardless, if you make the structure, like then you have that athlete that wants to do something different every single time, rush through it. Or if you have that variation forced on them, then you have that athlete that really wants that structure. Like you're like, this is silly. Why am I doing it this way? I could just do it the normal way. So that's kind of one thing that I really like is now you're able to get a whole room to do what you want to do in their own way. And it's, I think it's just more autonomy. Like we've mentioned multiple times. Yeah. It's like you're taking a large group and you're kind of catering to those different personality types, those neurotypes in a way that you still have the group, but you're allowing athletes to do that thing that still excites them and keeps their energy up and makes that whole 60 minutes or whatever it is that more engaging and, I love that, man. Like that's the, I don't like that is what I wish I would have had when I was in my early twenties, like interning, because my internships in strength and conditioning made me be a track coach, and not that I love being a track coach, and I'm still like I'm still coaching track, and I and I probably will until I can't do it anymore. But the thing that turned me off about strength initially was just like it was exactly what we're talking. About. It was here's our lifts, do them exactly as I say. And, and I remember, I remember the session where I just decided that I was going to be a track coach and then strength coach would maybe be like the, the, the lesser, I guess for the time. Well, then I ended up being a full-time strength coach, but that's a different story. But it was a session where it was a girl's soccer team and they were doing push presses and with dumbbells and the strength coach was like, you know, keep your toes on the floor the whole time. And I asked her why. And she was like, Oh, just that's it. You're more powerful that way. I don't know whatever she said. And I was just like, all right, I'm done with this. Like, I'm going to go just do track, you know, for however long. But if it was like this, I, and again, this is my personality too compared to other personalities. But 
I I just love that autonomy, that openness, the aliveness. Is the session alive or is it not? If it's not alive, like I will rather do something else. But like, is there aliveness and is there energy? And uh, those things that you can do to to really further that and create that. I I love that stuff. So uh, I the, I I need to come trade with you sometime. <laughs> I uh, it sounds like uh, you know that seeking that uh, that good energy. It sounds uh, it sounds like it's a session that really empowers people to to be engaged and reach their highest potential. Yeah, we'll have to get you in the dungeon sometime. Yeah, I was gonna say too. Before I forget, um, I, I, I think that I like what you're saying. Like, like we do the KPIs. You need to see improvement, but I'm sure you found this as well as me. Is you don't need to focus on those KPIs for them to go up. Like you do everything else, and they're gonna go up. Like it's just it's gonna happen. So I'm sure you, if you want to expand on that at all. Yeah, and that's where like I think one it stresses the athlete out less, and then you're able to see crazy gains like. Four, four inches on a vertical without doing a ton of vertical training. Yeah. Like we, we, we've seen that happen before. And the athlete just looks down and is like, whoa, like what happened? You know? Mm-hmm. And that's the, I think that's tricking them. And I, I in quotes, like I like doing that, like tricking them into getting better, feeling better. And that's the thing, like now their backs don't hurt, you know, like they feel so much better. And the reason I know this is because when I played football, like I walked around and big strong and doing these things but i walked around so locked up and everything hurt like at any moment and i was like when i switched my personal training to this approach i got stronger and then i started i and it was i literally woke up and i was like i feel good like this yeah. is weird like this is the weird part of the training like i my back doesn't hurt my back's not locking up like what's wrong like am i not pushing myself enough and like that was my that's where my mind went i was like am i not pushing myself enough like i don't hurt and i was like wait a minute, like I shouldn't hurt. Like that's not the goal of training. Like you should not hurt from that. So that's kind of the thing is you're increasing their KPIs. You're increasing that person's squat without them having to squat every time without having them to feel like their back is going to break at every moment. And then they still get the reward of, oh, now now it's the output's better. Now now I'm performing better and I'm moving better and I want to do this now. So then the increase continues to go. Yeah, it's the same thing that I always think about this. Like, why is pickup basketball the best warm up to do dunks? <laughs> why? It's for everything that we've talked about, you know, and how can I make the workout more like that? You know, intention, engagement, perception, reaction, variability. How can I make, how can I almost put all those things into this uh, session? And then, as well as the autonomy, I really love that stuff. So, I, I, that's definitely vibes with me. And uh, I'm excited to get to the dungeon and, and, and train sometime and expand my toolbox. So, I think that's about all the questions that I had for you today, Austin, though. But man, really good stuff. Uh, I really, I love what you're doing. And I just love, I love giving the power to the athlete. And yeah, man. So thanks for being on the show here. Coach, thanks for having me. This was awesome. All right. Thanks for being here today, guys. Really appreciate you all tuning into the show. If you enjoy this, you can support what we're doing by leaving us a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to. We would totally appreciate that. Also, don't forget to visit our sponsor, simplyfaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology. They have an awesome blog, great store, and great products, as well as superior customer service. So be sure to support them. All right, that does it for this uh, week's show. We'll see you next one.